But look at Genesis chapter 39. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. So verse 1 teaches us that Joseph became Potiphar's slave. He was Potiphar's servant, Potiphar's slave. He was his worker. In other words, his job was to do what anything and everything Potiphar said. Verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph. That shows us that this was a part of God's plan, even though Joseph at the time didn't understand it. And he, Joseph, was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. The word prosperous there in verse 2 is a very interesting Hebrew word. Or in the Hebrew, it literally means to push forward. To grow, to advance. Now, when we think about prosperity today in our culture, we think about blessing. And there is a sense of that here. But it was the idea that Joseph pressed forward. He pushed ahead. He grew. He advanced. He deliberately, intentionally exerted effort to move forward. Last week we talked about getting stuck personally. Getting stuck down in the mire. Becoming stagnant. Well, this right here is the very opposite of standing still. The opposite of stagnation. The opposite of settling. Joseph didn't do that. He pressed forward. Verse 3 says, And his master, Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight. And he, Joseph, served him. He continued to work. He continued to labor, and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. So in other words, Joseph continued to work hard, continued to press forward, continued to exert himself, and God, through Potiphar, advanced Joseph. So this morning, we're talking about work that prospers, growing vocationally. Now, some of you may be thinking, Preacher, why are we even talking about this? When there are so many important issues going on in the world, so many heavy truths taught in Scripture, why are we talking about work? Why are you challenging us about our vocational calling? Because, ladies and gentlemen, I get a sense that many of God's people see their job as a chore. They see it as a pain. They see it as drudgery. They see it as just a means to an end. They see it as the only way to a paycheck. They see their job, their work, as something to endure. But I want to say that how we view our vocational calling, our jobs that God has given us, how we view our vocational calling has a very profound impact on so much of the rest of our lives. So what would it look like to grow vocationally? If we were to all decide today to covenant together, to agree with God, and to say and establish a covenant with the Lord, Lord, by your power and by your grace and by your strength, I want to grow vocationally. I know I'm supposed to grow spiritually. I know last week we talked about growing personally. So what would it look like in my life if I decided today to grow vocationally? 
Well, first of all, let me say this, that it means to embrace a biblical view of your vocation. Here's the deal. Your job is not just your job. There's so much more to it. Take your copy of Scripture. Take your Bible. Go to Ephesians in the New Testament. Ephesians, please. That's after 2 Corinthians, after Galatians. You'll come upon Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul is giving instruction here, and it's interesting that in chapter 5 he begins a discussion about the fullness of the Holy Spirit and how that's manifested in our lives. And so he deals with the husband-wife relationship. He deals with the parent-child relationship. And now in verse 5, he gets to the employee-employer relationship. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, man, I didn't know God even addressed that relationship or that issue in Scripture. Well, friend, he did on multiple occasions. So let's notice what the Lord says here. If you're there with me in Ephesians uh, 6, say amen right there. Ephesians 6 verse 5, servants, that means workers, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Stop right there. Now, how many of you know in this culture, in this culture, in the Greco-Roman world, that the masters were not, and I guarantee you, most of the time, they were not very pleasant or very kind always in how they treated their workers. How many of you would acknowledge that? So Paul said, now, this is the instruction of the Lord. And he wants you to be subject, to be obedient to these masters your boss and then he adds this caveat notice this with fear and trembling fear and trembling what does he mean by that what the very least ladies and gentlemen he means that he wants us to treat our employer with respect and dignity with the honor that their position is due so let me ask you a question do you have a healthy and proper respect for your boss Some of you in here will say everything and anything negative about them behind their back and to other people. Co-workers, your family, friends, can I say this? That's unscriptural. A complaining and a nagging and a gossiping about your boss, friend, that's unscriptural. Now, that didn't garner any amens. But that's just as scriptural and true as John 3.16 is. You say, preacher, you don't know my boss. No, I don't. I don't. And listen, I, I know this. Every boss has their shortcomings. Every boss has room for improvement. So why did the Lord say that? Why did Paul go on to say, look at what he said. He said, you serve in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. As unto Christ. See, see, ladies and gentlemen, here's the deal. And here's, here's what you and I must understand. Tomorrow morning when you go to work, or maybe Tuesday if you're off tomorrow. Tuesday when you go to work, you're not just working for that person. You know what this verse tells us right here? We're working for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen right there? 
You see, we have this disconnect in the church of the living God that, that, that there's the church, there's the sacred on Sunday, and then Monday through Friday or even Monday through Saturday, that, that that's ours and, 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 and God's kind of quarantined and regulated to Sunday but that he doesn't have any dynamic impact on Monday. And I'm telling you, friend, it says right here that any job you have that is your vocational calling, you're not just serving them, you're serving Jesus through it. You see, Monday morning or Tuesday morning or whatever morning or afternoon you go to work and you get ready and walk out the door, you're going to work for Jesus. Keep reading. This is getting good. Verse 6. Not with eye service. Stop right there. You say, preacher, what's eye service? That literally means sight labor. Now, y'all know what this is. Y'all know what this is. I told you about some time back that years ago, I hired one of our teenage boys to mow my grass. He was trying to raise some money to go somewhere. And he said, hey, hey, Mr. Powell, Mr. Powell, let me mow your grass. Let me mow your grass. Let me mow your grass. I said, okay, I'll let you mow my grass. So he came over. And I said, now, look, i got to go back out visiting and stuff. So here, here's what I want you to do. Here's how. And I said, now, look, dude, it, to weed eat and mow and everything, it normally takes me an hour and a half to two hours to do my whole yard and do it right. You got it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I said, now, look, when I come by, I said, I'm going to go ahead and pay you. Mistake number one, right? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and pay you, but, but I want it done right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I leave. Aaron's home, boys. I leave. This has been years ago, years ago. Boys were small, small. I don't even think Elisha was born. I get a call on my cell phone about 25, 30 minutes later from this kid. Hey, man, I'm done. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> I am, dude. I am. I promise I'm done. I'm done. But you're not done. Dude, you, 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 unless you're Superman, there's no way you're done. I promise you, brother. I, I called his name. I said, if, when I get home after I get done visiting, I said, if I pull up and that yard ain't right, I'm going to kill you. That's what I said. <laughs> I really didn't mean that, though. Please, okay? Those watching my life, I did not mean that. I pulled up, and I wanted to kill him right there. It wasn't done. It wasn't done. What's eye service mean? Here he comes. Here she comes. Here comes the boss. Go, go. Get busy. Get busy. Get busy. Oh, hey. <laughs> That's what eye service is. It's doing our jobs only when the boss is what? Around. But what do they say? When the cat's away and there's a lot of playing mice, right? Now, y'all seen that, right? Now, nobody in here does that. Not with eye service. And then he says, as men pleasers, watch this, but as servants of Christ. Wait a minute, Paul. Do you not understand that some of these dudes were working in, here, here it is, forced labor? 
Paul said, you're not serving them. You're serving Jesus. Man, we have all kinds of vocations in this room represented. We have transport folks. We have drivers. We have salespersons. We have attorneys. We have those in the legal profession, medical profession, educational profession. We have administrators. We have folks in the, in the uh, service industry, uh, in, 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 in the food service industry. We have retail. We have wholesale. We have, we have secretarials, administrative assist. We have, we, we have construction. We have farming. And man, that's a broad. We have, we have all kinds of folks represented here. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't catch anything else, today. Catch the fact that you don't serve this person or that person. You're serving the Lord Jesus at work. You see, here's the thing. As servants of Christ, see, your job is your ministry. Can I get an amen right there? Your job is your mission field. Your job, if I could say it this way, is your sanctuary. Your job is a place of worship for you because that that we're doing is a form of worship to Christ. We have folks in law enforcement. You say, preacher, how on earth can individuals in law... I'm telling you, hey, hey, have you ever read Romans uh, 7 or or, uh, Romans 13 where it talks about that those in law enforcement are the ministers of God? Hey, by the way, that's another reason we ought to respect law enforcement in our culture and in our country. Amen right there. They're ministers of God. Can I tell you something that you are if you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ and you understand that that calling, that vocation, your work, that is a place God has given you to glorify Him and worship Him through that. Amen. Doing the will of God from the heart, for with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Whether you're working, conscripted and forced, or whether you're a free person, and you have the luxury to choose what occupation you have. You're serving the Lord Christ. First biblical perspective. Hang with me. Hold tight. Lean in. Let's listen. Our vocation, our vocational calling is ordained by the Lord. It's ordained by the Lord. You see, we need a God-centered view of work. I've heard people say, well, work is a curse. Ladies and gentlemen, work is not a curse. (laughs) Work is not a dirty four-letter word. It's a clean and biblical four-letter word. Can I get an amen right there? See, work was instituted pre-curse of man. Before the curse. It was instituted in the Garden of Eden before the fall of man, the curse of sin. Genesis 2.15, God put man in the garden to dress it. That literally means to work it. That's what it means in the Hebrew. To dress it and to keep it. That word there means to guard it. So Adam's job, you're like, what was Adam's job, bro? I thought all he had to do was name the animals and eat fruit all day. No. No. God said, hey, hey, Adam, have a job. Your job is to work the garden. 
Now, that work was to be enjoyable work. It was to be profitable work. And then, if you understand right, there's a post-curse aspect to work. Work will be a natural and healthy part of our heavenly state. You're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, CP, I thought, uh-uh, uh-uh, I thought that like when we die, we quit working. Well, that's not how I understand my Bible. Because in the millennial kingdom, it says that we will share in rule and stewardship and oversight over the earth with the Lord Jesus. He gives every Christian certain responsibilities in the millennial kingdom. You're like, But it's going to be beneficial. It's going to be a blessing. It's not going to be laborious. It's not going to be taxing on you. And in eternity, in Revelation 22, 3, it says, And there shall be no more curse, and his servants shall serve him. And this is after the curse is gone. There's going to be work and productivity and industry even in heaven. Because God created us to work. Second biblical perspective. Our vocational calling is consistent with our natural skills, gifting, and interests. You see, your true vocational calling is going to match up and harmonize with your natural skill set. Coach John Wooden won numerous national championships as the head coach of the UCLA Bruins. He had a custom Every single year, he would gather the players, and individually, as they were practicing shooting, he would call the players over to him and say, Now, son, I want you to listen to me. I've been watching you. I know your skills, your abilities. I've observed. I've taken notes. And, son, come here. You see this spot right here? Yes, sir. Okay, I want you to come stand right here. Okay. Now, son... You see this spot right here? This is your spot. You're only allowed to shoot from this spot right here. Because I've watched, and this is your spot. This is where you're most productive. This is where you're going to be most successful. This is where your abilities lie, right here in this general area. This is your spot. I don't want you to get out of your spot. You say, well, that sounds corny. Well, it worked. Can I tell you something? God's given and created and designed as part of your DNA genetically. Everybody has a spot. There have been times I've gotten out of my spot. I've struggled. But when I'm in my spot and I'm operating according to my giftedness and my interest and my passion, wow, then that's when Christian Powell, as an individual, as God designed me to be, that's when I'm successful. That's when I'm most happy, most joyful, most productive. That's when I feel successful. And I am successful when I operate in my spot. And friend, I'm convinced the reason many of us get frustrated at work and our job and employment is because we might be operating outside of our spot on the floor. I read a very interesting piece this week entitled The Sanctity of Skill 
it helped my perspective on this. The sanctity of skill. You see, each person has God-given natural skills. God-given talents are given at conception and are the result of God's sovereign control over our genetics. I believe that's true. We all are taught all the time in this. You can do and be anything you want to do. Can I say something? That's really not true. When I was a kid for a little bit, I wanted to be an NBA player. Now, y'all just hurt my feelings by laughing. No, for real. You can be anything you want to be. I can be anything God designed me to be and created with my skill set to be. You see? I'm still hurt that y'all laughed at me, but anyway. You see, if you're in a job or a position that you hate, and hey, don't raise your hand, all right? But I'm looking at people right now, I'm looking at people that hate your job. Can I tell you something in love? You might need to change your job. Go work somewhere that you don't hate. You get prayerful and get counsel and take a skills assessment test if you need to. Find out what you like and what you're going to be good at. And friend, listen, go find out what that is and do it. I promise you, you will be most happy, most joyful, most successful, most productive because you'll be operating according to how God created you and wired you to be. Third biblical perspective. Our vocational calling is another avenue through which to showcase the greatness of Jesus. You see, work is more than a means to an end. Work is the chief way to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore ye eat, drink, or whatsoever ye do, and certainly working would be in there. Do all to the glory of God. Our work is a form of witness. When we're working in our spot, and we're glorifying God, and we're honoring Jesus, and we're, we have a happy attitude and a good attitude toward the boss, even though sometimes he or she can be a little cantankerous. And, man, what a testimony that is. When you show up, when you show up in your ministry place tomorrow, Tuesday, did you hear what I said? When you show up in your spot to minister and to serve Jesus on the, in the workplace in your vocational calling and you're giving it all you have and you're growing and you're investing and you're happy and content and you're serving God and serving others and you're being a test. What a testimony to the grace of God. Wow, what a powerful ambassador. What a powerful form of light and salt you are in this generation. Man, you roll up in there late and you got the mully grubs and you're complaining and you're slack and you're frustrated and you're... Who's drawn closer to Jesus because of that? Nobody. So your workplace is a form of witness, but our work is also a form of worship. Lord, this is for you. I'm doing this for you. 
I'm selling this for you. I'm fighting crime for you. I'm driving this truck for you. I'm working this counter for you. I'm selling this item for you. I'm teaching these kids for you. I'm inserting that IV for you. I'm taking pulse for you. I'm answering phones for you. I'm typing memos for you. I'm going to give you this last thought and we're going to pray. Hang with me. You know the bottom line of what we need to do? We need to elevate our potential and productivity. That's what Joseph did. He understood he was working for God. He understood even though he couldn't answer all the questions, he was held in the hands of God and God prospered him and he elevated himself and he pushed forward and he exerted himself and he did the best job that he can do. And the cream always what? Rises to the top. Take your own skill set to the next level. Challenge yourself through reading about and studying your craft. Get critique from other people. Can I just stop right there and say, hey, do you ever study about how to, how to advance? Readers are leaders. Do you challenge yourself? When's the last time you read an article, a blog post, or a book about that that you do and how you can improve? Whether it's selling real estate or selling chicken. Whether it's driving a truck or working in a doctor's office. Whether it's selling lumber or teaching and shaping hearts and minds. You see, you can't settle. You always have to be progressing and pushing yourself and pushing yourself. Get critique. Ask people that are successful in their field and in your field to help you and to give you advice and counsel. Sit down with your supervisor and have that hard, uncomfortable conversation. Ask them this question, what do I need to do to improve, to advance, to be a better employee? Set realistic, measurable, and attainable goals for yourself. Six weeks, six months, a year. Put accountability structures in place in your life and change how you view where God has placed you. So that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday necessary, when you go out to your vocational calling, it's no longer a chore or a bore, but it's your mission field.